There's a notorious hacker group called Hive. They are considered to be extremely mercenary. There are words used to describe them that I probably can't say in a Wall Street Journal podcast, but, you know, like they're just bad, bad people. That's our colleague Bob McMillan, who covers hacking. Hive makes ransomware that holds businesses hostage. After hackers break into a company's computer systems, they can use Hive's ransomware to encrypt all the data and force companies to pay millions of dollars to get it back. But recently, Hive got a taste of its own medicine. This time, it was their servers that got hacked. And last week, when hackers tried to get onto Hive's website, they couldn't. It was locked up. All they saw was a message that read, the Federal Bureau of Investigation sees this site as part of a coordinated law enforcement action. I think it probably felt very similar to the way it felt for victims of ransomware. So instead of this humming little corporate ransomware business, everything went dark for them. So the tables had turned, right? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, February 1st. Coming up on the show, how one of the world's most infamous hacking groups got busted. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hive is notorious, but the group hasn't been around for that long. So Hive first popped up in June of 2021, and by August, the FBI had put out an alert about this group. So that's pretty fast, right? So June, July, it's like within a couple of months, the FBI is saying, like, look out for these guys. Hive is like a hacking business. It sells ransomware that other hackers can use to hold companies hostage. It even provides hackers with customer support. Hive's business model is what Bob describes as RAS, R-A-A-S. RAS, ransomware as a service. That sounds like an oxymoron. Like, (laughs) ransomware as a service. Ransomware is like a disservice. Well, so Hive, like, they provide a service that criminals can use to make a lot of money. So the criminals, they're called affiliates, they hack in. And so Hive writes the ransomware. They operate all these servers that help the victims pay the ransomware. Hive is just one option. There are other ransomware providers hackers can choose from. They're deciding, am I going to use Hive's ransomware or some other ransomware as a service uh, today for this company that I've hacked into? Can I use a more like basic analogy? Like, Are the affiliates like the meatheads that are going to show up and break your kneecap with the crowbar and the crowbar <laughs> is, are they going to use the hive crowbar or are they going to use like some other criminal's crowbar? I mean, yeah, I, you could say that, but 
they're hacking into networks, which I think of as sometimes requiring some technical sophistication. So it's a little more sophisticated than a crowbar. Yeah, I will accept that analogy. After emerging on the scene a few years ago, Hive and its hacking affiliates gained a reputation for being especially nasty. What makes them so bad? So they made their name by being particularly ruthless. They went after hospitals during the COVID pandemic. And this was at a time when some ransomware groups were drawing a red line and saying, like, look, it, we're not going to be jerks. If we know that you're a hospital and you're a victim, we're not going to try and put our ransomware on any hospital networks. It's, it's too important. You know, we don't want people to die because of this. Hive wasn't like that. They infected hospitals. They infected schools. The outfit known as Hive had extorted some $100 million from more than 1,300 businesses worldwide. From schools, hospitals, and financial firms, the Department of Justice says Hive has targeted more than 1,500 entities in over 80 countries. The group brags about stealing contracts, non-disclosure agreements and other agreements, budget plans, employee and student information, including social security numbers, insurance information, and photos. Another reason they're so feared is because they do a thing called double extortion. So Hive's victims would typically find that not only were their systems locked up and encrypted and didn't work, but also that their data had been stolen from the networks. And part of the Hive service was to then say, okay, you've got your files decrypted, your computers are working, now pay us more money or we're gonna dump all of your files on the internet and everyone's going to be able to see all your secrets. So that's the second part of double extortion. Bob says that one of the ironies of Hive's criminal operation is that they try to come across as if they're a legitimate business. I have a, a copy of Hive's little note to its customers, which I find kind of funny. And when you say customers, do you mean like the, the, the other criminals that are... They're victims. Well, the victims. Really, really, they really consider their victims customers? They, like, it's a forced purchase. It's not like, it's not like they want to be buying their, <laughs> paying them a ransom. Just think of the, the protection business and how you buy protection from organized crime and you, and you get a sense of the mindset of the ransomware, of the RAS business. You know, when you get some of these ransomware messages, they really try to treat you like a customer. Like you, okay, yes, we hacked into your computers, we put this nasty software that erases everything on them on the computer, but we have a sales desk now that's here to help you with our product. We're gonna beat you up and take your lunch money, but we're gonna do it <laughs> with some politeness. It's protection. And how big of a problem is ransomware these days? Well, it's hard to accurately quantify the ransomware problem because a lot of people that are hit with it don't go give us public numbers. But the public numbers we have, it's hundreds of millions of dollars are paid to ransomware companies every year. And so it's, uh, you know, it's easily a billion dollar industry. Even though ransomware attacks can be devastating for businesses, for years, investigating these crimes wasn't a top priority for the government. When did ransomware in general get on the radar for U.S. law enforcement? Colonial Pipeline. The Colonial Pipeline is an essential piece of infrastructure. It moves fuel from the Gulf of Mexico to the eastern U.S. and supplies nearly half the fuel for the East Coast. It was hit with a ransomware attack in 2021. This cyber attack has really forced the shutdown 
of one of the largest pipelines in the United States. Colonial Pipeline paid nearly $5 million in ransom to hackers who infiltrated their system, which led to the shutdown. This was catastrophic for America. Our oil pipelines were shut down. And people had to line up for gas. I mean, there were shortages and gas stations were running out of gas. And um, it was all because of the software. When people are lined up for gas and it's because of computers, that's going to get the White House's attention. And so Colonial Pipeline was the moment that everyone realized that this was a national security problem, really. Hive isn't believed to be responsible for the colonial attack. At the time, the main strategy the U.S. government used to take down hacking groups like Hive was by trying to arrest people. But that can be really difficult, especially when a lot of the hackers are based overseas. Traditionally, they can put the perpetrators in jail and stop them from committing the crimes. But ransomware is a different kind of crime. It's really, really difficult to actually get your hands on a lot of the ransomware purveyors because they operate in Russia and Russia is not going to extradite anybody to the United States. So they've been playing largely with the Russians a game of let's wait till they travel and let's try and nab them in Cyprus or nab them in Holland or, you know, and the ransomware people know about this, right? And they're not traveling And so if they don't travel, even if you know who they are, you're not going to arrest them. So what do you do? So what do you do? That's after the break. At a press conference last Thursday, the U.S. Justice Department announced that together with German and Dutch police, they'd seized control of servers associated with Hive. Simply put, using lawful means, we hacked the hackers. We turned the tables on Hive and we busted their business model, saving potential victims approximately $130 million in ransomware payments. Officials said their operation against Hive began last summer. In July, the FBI found the servers that were being used to run Hive, and they got into them. We don't know how, but they got a perch that allowed them to not only see what Hive was doing and collect information about them, but to get these extremely valuable decryption keys that were essential for any customer that wanted to get their network operating after a Hive infection. Normally, after a victim pays the ransom, they're given a key to unlock their data. But by hacking Hive, the government was able to steal the keys and free more than 300 potential victims, like a school district in Texas and a hospital in Louisiana. Some of these victims were being asked to pay as much as $10 million. And then the FBI had these keys that would prevent you from having to pay that amount of money. This is the most significant seizure of encryption keys and passing them on to victims that the U.S. government has done. While inside Hive's networks, the government was also collecting data about the criminals that used Hive's ransomware. According to the FBI, Hive operated with 250 affiliates. So these would be the hackers that break into the networks 
who install the Hive software onto victims. The hackers that are they're actually going out there and doing the stealing, they're just using Hive software to, to carry it out. Yeah, the goons with the crowbars, to uh, go back to your earlier analogy. So they almost certainly were collecting as much data as they could about any business partner that Hive had, including these 250 affiliates, right? Because they're all hackers. These are digital breadcrumbs that, that the FBI wants and that they get from these type of operations that allow them to find out who's working with Hive, who do they do business with. Just the fact that they were able to sit on this network for, for so long without, without people noticing is gonna make all the people doing business with Hive nervous. How difficult would you say it is what the government pulled off I mean, it's certainly the kind of thing that I think only a government could do, a nation state could do. Like, it's it's hard to imagine another rival hacking gang having this kind of success because there were so many moving pieces and it was um, a multinational effort. Bob says the operation seems to indicate that the government is taking a new approach against hackers. They're basically saying, all right, fine, these are businesses. What is the thing that affects a business, right? So yeah, throwing the CEO in jail is one thing, but if you disrupt their business model, you can actually have an effect, right? You can make it not as lucrative for them. And at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, okay, is it worth me doing this like really awful activity where I can't travel and I can get thrown in jail and it's like not as profitable as it used to be? Like maybe, you know, they can get some people to retire that way. I think you could see this as the U.S. government signaling that they're moving beyond simply arresting or indicting even criminals as a way of pressuring them. But if the government isn't arresting people, it's not clear how big of an impact this will actually have, especially considering the fact that Hive isn't the only group that makes ransomware. So the fact that we don't have those arrests, that's caused some observers to say, hey, you know, like this group without being arrested could just pop up in another couple of months. It seems like in some ways it's a shot across the bow from the U.S. government to say, we're going to prioritize this kind of crime and we're going to try to take different tactics in this fight than we've used in the past. Yeah, you get the sense that even finding out who's behind it might not be as important as it seemed a few years ago. You get the sense that they feel like they have found some techniques that can make things hard on the ransomware people, even if they don't know who they are. That's all for today, Wednesday, February 1st. And before you go, a quick question. Have you changed your spending habits over the past few months? Are you trying to spend less on groceries or vacations? Or are you putting off that big purchase? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email about your experience to thejournal at wsj.com. We might feature your story on the show. Additional reporting in this episode by Aruna Vishwanatha and Dustin Volz. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.